Well, hello, lovely humans, and welcome to Engage, a wedding planning podcast for the modern day couple. I'm your host, Jamie Wolfer, and I truly believe that wedding planning does not need to be complicated or time consuming. I kind of picture these episodes like jumping on a quick phone call with your wedding planner. You get your answers and you go on your merry way because sometimes not all of us have an hour to dedicate to listening to super long podcasts or super long intros. So without further ado, let's just jump right on into it. My ceremony location is 45 minutes away from the reception site. We are looking to get a shuttle, but future husband's father says we don't need one since people can drive. What are your thoughts on getting a shuttle or any alternatives? Also, when should cocktail hours start relative to the ceremony start time if it's 45 minutes away? I'm a huge fan, and those who've been around in this group for a minute, you know that I like to avoid handling people's transportation if at all possible. We have very rarely done it for events, and when we have, it's been very difficult to manage. Simply because getting 50 adults to be ready and coordinated at the same time to get onto a shuttle bus to then be transported to the next place takes a lot more time than you think. Picture elementary school kids trying to get them on the bus for a field trip. (laughs) They're all excited, but no one's moving real fast. That, and if it needs to go back and forth more than one time, that's also a lot of money. Um, Or that's also a lot of time, sorry. The rental, the cost for a shuttle is very high, and there's usually a very long rental period. So that means that you can't just have it for two hours. It could be four hours. It could be six hours. Um, And that means you're also shuttling the back afterwards. You're paying for a driver to sit there for four hours without anything to do. Not necessarily that there's anything wrong with that, but um, I haven't seen a shuttle under a thousand bucks. And I think that was like for 35 people. So in my opinion, I would avoid it. I would try not to do it if at all possible. Um, I can understand you wanting to provide that for them, but it's not a service that you have to do. I kind of agree with your future father-in-law on this one. Uh, Cocktail hours should start, I would say, about 45 minutes to an hour after the end of your ceremony. Usually ceremonies we anticipate being about 30 minutes. More often than not, they're slightly less, but you start a little bit late, so it's 30 minutes. Okay. So maybe an hour after your ceremony ends. So that would be an hour and a half after your ceremony start time or your invitation time. Are you feeling lost or overwhelmed with wedding planning? Why does this also sound like an infomercial? (laughs) Take a deep breath. You are in the right place. I've put together this amazing, if I do say so myself, wedding planning checklist that tells you all the things that you need to be doing and when you need to be doing them. A step-by-step path just for you. You can grab your step-by-step wedding planning checklist now at weddingchecklist.co. That's weddingchecklist.co. Okay, so my boyfriend and I have considered doing an elopement type slash intimate wedding with close family first, then having a huge party with friends and the rest of our families later on. The reason our finances, finances, pandemic, and just the fact that we want to be married and start the rest of our lives. Amen, sister, friend. I'm wondering if you have any advice on how to let people know that we will elope slash have a private ceremony, but have a post-elopement celebration. Should we tell everyone before or after we get married? What should we set on the invitation? I know it's bound to happen, but I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Thank you. So um, this is very, very, very common these days. I would not worry about offending anybody. Like this is happening so much. We get so many comments on YouTube videos of people like, how do we organize an anniversary reception or whatever other terms people are using it for these days? A ton of people are doing this. So the good news is like you're in, you've got the, the mob effect with you. A lot of people are doing this. So it's, it's easy to kind of say, well, this is what a lot of people are doing. It removes the blame or, blame or the onus from you personally. Um, as far as telling them before or afterwards, that's completely a personal decision. You can, um, get people amped up and say, Hey, 
we're going to elope. We're going to elope on this date. Can't wait to share pictures with you. Or you can invite them to like see how you're putting it together. This is the photographer we booked. Instagram stories are a great way of doing that. I'm, I'm making it sound like <laughs> this is like the same kind of information or um, advice I give to our mastermind group, um, which by the way, if you guys are still in the hunt for a wedding planner or wedding coordinator, we have some fantastic gals that I'm mentoring. That could be a really great option for you. Um, but perhaps invite your guests that can't make it. So your guests into behind the scenes process and let them know beforehand or just surprise them afterwards. If people's feelings are going to be hurt because you eloped during the middle of a global pandemic, give yourself a little bit of grace on that one because a lot of people are eloping right now. So hopefully that helps. I don't think you're going to hurt anyone's feelings. I think people might be bummed and that's okay. Um, and then I think you could redo the ceremony when you have your big party later on and just laugh through it and redo it and be like, we're doing this because you guys are finally here. Hopefully that would be a little bit of encouragement for you. But I, I think, I think it's going to be okay. And I think you'll be surprised by how welcoming and okay with it people are. I want to do a voicemail guest book. That's super cute. I'm thinking uh, through the company Phone. My worry is that no one will know how it works. I will put it on my website, but there are always some of that won't look at it. Should I have someone be there to guide my guests through it? Is it better to order more than one phone so there isn't a big line forming? I'm just not sure the logistics of it. My plan was to have it directly after or before the receiving line so guests will at least see it and hopefully it sparks their interest. This is the same exact thing as a regular guest book. 50% will use it. Maybe. Maybe. And if the DJ shouts it out, maybe a few more. As far as the receiving line, that's a pretty quickly moving line. So people likely aren't going to stop and leave a heartfelt message during that time because they don't want to hold up the line. So I actually would recommend having it away from the receiving line and putting it in the cocktail hour where people are kind of milling about drinking drinks, having little appetizers, and then they could pop on over and leave you a voicemail. Giant sign. Make sure there's a big old sign that says, leave messages here. You just like break it down for them Barney style. Um, have the DJ make announcements. Um, or you can pull a Heather <laughs> and have someone walk around and be like, have you done this? Or bring the phone to them. I don't know if, I, if it has to be plugged in or not. <laughs> but really, really letting people know that it's important that they do that. That could be something that you include on your website. That's a great idea to be like, hey, we're going to have a phone, like a voicemail guest book. If you could please leave us a message, that'd be really, really cool. So um, I would stay away from the receiving line. I think that might be a little difficult to get enough in there. You could have it there and then feature it at the cocktail hour and then at the reception. You want to expose them to it as much as possible to make sure that they actually will record something. But also prepare yourself for the fact that there will still be a generous, generous amount that likely will not do it at all. How much communication should I be getting from my vendors? My photographer is a family friend, so I message her more often than not. I haven't heard anything from my venue since I booked in January. The owner said that she would answer my remaining questions that I sent her, but she never did. I've sent a few emails, so it could be that they're busy. When I scheduled a tour, it was easier to call, but I had to schedule a time to call via email because there are no business hours in the venue owner's personal phone. Out of all my vendors, I've only talked to my day of coordinator, photographer, videographer, makeup artist, and hairstylist occasionally. So it sounds like to me like this uh, venue owner may have, uh, first of all, boundary issues um, there, and is not super organized. So we're just going to pour grace all over the situation. Just just pour it all over and take everything with a grain of salt. It's, it's obviously not a, a good thing that you're not getting responses. Um, so I would... Give her some time. Most venue owners or most venues, typically if they're not providing catering or rentals and they're not very hands-on, they're literally just the shell that your wedding is existing within. Um, 
they don't need to do much. And more often than not, it is the couple that feels a lot more anxious or eager to get responses. And the venue owner in their mind goes, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'll get back to them later. But to you, it is a big deal. So that's obviously not ideal. It depends on when you're, oh, you said your wedding's in December. So I would say if you haven't heard back from them in the next two months, when you're six months out from your event, maybe worth checking in with them again, being like, hey, it's been like three months and you've said nothing. That would be a good idea to go from there. So hopefully that helps. I've started to make my day of timeline. Some vendors really like and appreciate that. And some want to wait until it gets closer. When should I bring it back up for those vendors that want to wait? Two weeks beforehand is my sweet spot, 10 to 14 days. Because if I send it out too early in advance, it it gets lost in the inbox. Um, If I send it too close, then there's no time to make edits. If anyone comes back to me and says, hey, that timeframe doesn't work for me. That's not exactly what I'm trying to go for here. Um, So 10 to 14 days is perfection. Several members of our wedding party have spouses that aren't a part of the wedding. Is it normal or is it taboo for those spouses to hang around the venue morning of the wedding? We don't want them to have to drive separately. And also we might have the spouses there to set up. I think, well, it depends on the the, the vibe, the mood of the um, spouses. So I know some groups are like, heck yeah, they're super tight knit. The spouses all know each other. They're totally fine. They're enjoying the setup because it's a close knit group of friends and other situations. It's like, they don't know each other at all. It's going to be like crickets. It's going to be painfully awkward and painfully quiet. So it depends on what your group is like, depends on what the vibe is like. Having them set up is an activity for them to do. So it matters a little bit less how talkative they are with one another. I have had my husband be a groomsman at a wedding. Um, where I was like, I didn't have the kids. It was just the two of us. And so I just dropped him off and came back to the hotel. So you can leave that option. If you want them to set up, there's a purpose for them to be there. It releases some of the awkwardness. Uh, But if they're close knit, I think it's okay. But I don't think you have to ask for them to be there. I think it, it should be their choice. Bailey, I mentioned them working my wedding website. Can you explain hotel blocks? I know that you mentioned in the master plan to at the very least include recommendations. How do I know which ones are best? Um, Okay, so hotel blocks I don't love. Uh, There's the courtesy block and then the, oh, I always forget the name of the other one. There's two different types of hotel blocks. One that you are locked into and one they're giving to you as a courtesy. Um, I'm not personally a huge fan of them. It just gives you another detail to manage, Um, another contract to read, another contract to sign, another financial thing to be liable for. Um, so personally there are the, like, there's those two options. If you are going to do hotel block, go for a courtesy block. Uh, yeah. You want to make sure there's no attrition rate with your hotel blocks. Now for me, when I say at least include recommendations, um, what we did is I picked out two local hotels that had varying price points. Um, one was like at this level per night and one was at like this level for night per night. And I kind of said like, here's what's around them. Here's what makes them fun. I played tour guide with my guests. And then I picked a couple of um, larger Airbnbs in case a couple of families wanted to come and stay together or needed multiple bedrooms. I didn't pick the best. I just picked a few that the price point seemed reasonable and included them in there. You do not have to pick the ones that are the best. All right. Who's ready to get glammed up for the wedding without breaking the bank? I've gathered up all of my favorite wardrobe, like wedding party attire companies. (laughs) That will fit literally any budget. So if you are looking to find one that works for you and all of your besties, head on over to weddingpartylooks.com. I'm using the master plan. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, buddy. To help plan. And I'm the second step of the planning timeline. I was wondering what guest accommodations were and what I should be looking for in that. Boom. I just answered that. Guest accommodations are hotel blocks, 
um, if you want to do them. I included that in the master plan because some people still do them or they have to do them because where they're getting married, there's one hotel, there's two hotels. Or like where I used to live um, right outside of Temecula in California, if the hot air balloon festival was going on, you could not find a hotel room. So that's a po at a point where you're like, you would probably have to book something. Um, only in situations where you see it as an absolute necessity would I say that's when you have to do it. So that's why it's included in the timeline. If you do choose to do that or if you have to do it, that is around the time that you're going to start investigating those and start to get those numbers. I do not see it as a necessity personally unless you are forced to based on the location that you are in like a destination or again, in a space where hotels could, pot could potentially get booked. Another example, we have a couple getting married next year um, around the time of Coachella. And they basically had to figure out accommodations for their family members and friends because everything else would be booked out. So that's the only reason I would recommend doing um, hotel accommodations. I've stopped planning to an extent because we don't have an extravagant budget and we've secured things that were most important to us. Um, I figured people will have food to eat and music to dance to. So dance to, so that's all that's needed. We will likely uh, have a little budget to add some special touches here and there. Do you have any advice on one or two items to add? Um, dessert is a big hit, especially if you want to do dessert with like a little goodie bag. Um, we've had clients do like a full candy bar. That was a huge hit. A lot of people had a lot of fun with that. It's, it's fun, unexpected items to eat or drink that everyone's like, oh, that's fun. That's special. That's where I would put a little bit of extra money or a little bit of extra pizzazz or something that's interactive. If that means that you print up Mad Libs, like a couple Mad Libs to have at the tables or you invest in um, uh, disposable cameras. Y'all, disposable cameras are still a thing and they're amazing. Just think about going to get all of those, uh, those photos developed because you're gonna have to wait, what, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks to get your wedding photos, but you can have all of these precious memories on those. So something that's interactive or something that's surprising to eat or fun to eat or something along those lines, that's where I would invest a little bit extra in the budget. Question regarding paying vendors early. My fiance and I have previously been advised to wait and pay our remaining vendor fees as close as possible to their final due dates, just in case our plans need to change and a vendor could hold more than just our deposits hostage. However, as we get close to the wedding, I would love to just have everything paid for and done with so I can stop stressing over due dates and budget. I hear you you. My main concern at this point is our caterer. We owe them nearly 6K with the final bill due 30 days before the wedding. We have the money sitting in our joint account and we aren't going to postpone at this point. In your opinion, is paying them before their actual due date a bad idea? Read your contract. What does your contract say? Talk to them. Hey, we're actually considering, you know, we'd actually prefer to kind of pay this off early if you're okay with that. Um, our only concern is if something should come up, what clause do you have in your contract? What would happen with these additional funds? Have the conversation. I would, I would assume that they're kind and open and honest before they would, I would assume that they're trouble. Um, read your contract first though. That's going to be the place that should already have the answer for you, but I can understand wanting to pay and just get it done.